Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What does it mean to be blessed? These days I feel like we throw around the word blessed like we hand out candy on Halloween, sort of in in big handfuls, right? It's become a word that we use so often that we don't even notice if someone's trying to offer a real blessing. Have a blessed day, we say. You're so blessed. Or the southern favorite, oh, bless their heart, which is not a blessing. We've even embedded this response into the common cold, right? Someone sneezes and you say, God bless you, which it turns out goes all the way back to the time of the bubonic plague when Pope Gregory I said that saying God bless you was a way to protect yourself from the sneeze so that you didn't die. So what does it mean to say that you're blessed? The Reverend Dr. Kate Bowler, who's a professor of church history at Duke Divinity, wrote a history of the word blessed, focusing particularly on the prosperity gospel, those churches that would say that you can measure God's affection for you based on your material success today. This is the gospel that says, I'm blessed to have my dream house. I'm blessed to have a well-managed 401k. I'm blessed to have two brilliant, gorgeous children that I can post about on social media as my success. As if somehow those things that mean that God favors you more or that God does not favor those who don't have those material possessions. Kate Bowler is the first to say that the hashtag blessed has gotten way out of control. She says even 10 years ago, it wasn't one of the highest trending hashtags on Instagram. It wasn't a line of Target home goods or a vanity his and her Lexus license plates. But somewhere along the way, she says... It became a short way for Americans in particular to exchange two words, luck and blessing. So that now the hashtag blessed means something unlikely happened and it was good and I a little bit deserve it. It imagines that if the good things that come our way make us hashtag blessed or worthy or good or faithful, then maybe you can be the architect of your own life and you can spend your Christmas card patting yourself on the back. And it's a lovely idea, except that it's a lie. Because blessing isn't something that you earn or deserve because you are particularly special or awesome or even because you worked really hard. And the rewards of blessing, at least according to Jesus, 
are not measured in material wealth or popularity or earthly success despite what the preachers of the prosperity gospel will say. Blessing, like grace, is a gift from God. And blessing, like grace, cannot be earned or bought because of a particularly fortunate place in life. Blessing is offered as a sign of God manifest in your life, and it has, in fact, nothing to do with your outward material worth and everything to do with matters of the heart. Those whom Jesus calls blessed are the ones who reflect the character of God in their very being. Leslie Prince selected this text for this part of our summer scripture mixtape, and it's certainly among the greats in scripture. But I was particularly excited to hear that it was the text read at Leslie and Lloyd's wedding in this very sanctuary. In her words, it's a pretty good place to begin a marriage. And it is, right? When you're getting married, you want to draw near to someone who embodies the character of God, one who is merciful and pure in heart and a peacemaker. At least we hope for those traits in our partner. If blessings are a gift, then as wedding presents go, this is a pretty solid wedding present from God. One that will last a lot longer than a crystal goblet that can break or a salad spinner that eventually quits spinning. This gift from Jesus, this blessing, has the capacity to shape the way we see ourselves, each other, and those that we encounter out in the world based on how God sees the world. It's a reminder for us of where God is at work in your marriage, in your life, and out in the world. And so it got me thinking this week and wondering that whether with all of the baggage that the hashtag blessed has today, whether we can actually hear Jesus' beatitudes afresh as a gift and a call to see where God is at work. Because you see, that, that day in Jesus' early ministry, Jesus, it says, went up the mountainside like Moses had done for the people of God before. When prophets have gone up the mountain before, God tends to show up, and so the crowd that was gathered there was paying attention. We don't know exactly what they were expecting Jesus to say. Maybe they were expecting a new set of commandments or a fresh revelation from God. But Jesus went up to this high place for revelation, thinking something big was going to happen, and he sat down. And like a humble rabbi, he began to teach. But before he asked anything of those listening, before he offered fresh instruction in the law of Moses, before he interpreted the law or taught them how to pray, before he challenged them to turn the other cheek or love their enemies or give up their wealth, he began with a gift, with a blessing. And it's a gift that's accessible to all but offered to some so that we might pay attention to where God is present and where the kingdom of heaven is unfolding right before our very eyes. 
The crowd gathered that day on the hillside was likely a mixed crowd. Rich and poor, old and young, skeptics and believers, farmers and businessmen, Jesus' chosen disciples seated around him, and a large crowd of everybody listening in. And according to Matthew, at this point in Jesus' ministry, Jesus had gone all throughout Galilee teaching and healing so that those following came from all these different walks of life. And much like today, there were those in the crowd of material wealth and power and status who were accustomed to being recognized and rewarded. Hashtag blessed, if you will. But that is not where Jesus directed his gaze as he looked out over the crowd. Jesus seems to notice the ones that the others look past, and by doing so, he gives us fresh eyes to see God by noticing who Jesus says is blessed by God, by who embodies the character of God. And for Jesus, that was the meek and the merciful, the pure in heart and the peacemaker, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who mourn. They aren't the ones who our culture or Roman culture lifts up as particularly blessed if blessing means favored with material glory. They're not the wealthy or powerful or the just plain self-sufficient. They're not those who would gain the particular attention of the king or the most likes on Instagram. But no matter who you were in the crowd that day, your ears perked up when Jesus began with blessing, wondering, is it for me? This wasn't how the sermon was supposed to begin, and those weren't the people that were supposed to be recognized if Jesus was going to be a king. But it turns out that no matter who you were in the crowd that day, Jesus was talking to you. Jesus wanted those who were meek and merciful and pure in heart to feel embraced and loved by a God who has already drawn near to them. And he wanted those who thought they were hashtag blessed to notice those among them, perhaps someone right next to them in the crowd who might have been overlooked, but who embodies the character of God so that we know where to look to see the kingdom of heaven unfolding. This blessing and gift and call calls all of us to tune our eyes and our ears and our hearts to where God is at work. For when we do, Jesus says we will be comforted and filled. When we do, Jesus says, we will see God. Sam Gardner was a student at Emory studying political science and economics. He was, by all accounts, a student acquainted with privilege, accustomed to fresh organic food in the cafeteria, prone to complaining about the dorm bathrooms and the unfair grading after a hard exam, satisfied to enjoy the luxuries of collegiate life despite all of his hard work and best efforts. But Sam wrote about one particular day when he left campus, not for a school project, but to attend a funeral. He shared about that day. He said, the funeral wasn't for someone I knew. 
In fact, the funeral was for someone nobody knew. He or she had died alone and indigent, homeless. The body sent to the Atlanta coroner for a public health burial. He said, I finished my egg on toast, shelved the empty plate, and climbed in my car to make the 30-ish mile drive to southwest Atlanta. And as I drove, the city around me became more industrialized and then more rural and then more impoverished. He said, I drove the last five minutes in silence. When I got there, there wasn't a cemetery, really. There was a tall metal cross in a field of dying grass. But it was called Lakeside Memorial Gardens, and it was a potter's field. Instead of tombstones, there were small plaques sort of scattered erratically across the grounds where women and men were buried. And he waited as Reverend Dawkins, the pastor appointed to do these burials, arrived, and they saw these four hearses file in front of them. One of the, only one of the families had come to say a farewell. The others did not. Sam said, my purpose that day, my service that day was to say goodbye and to stand over a simple wooden coffin and be family for these three who had no family. So I followed the pastor to the back of the hearse, and we unloaded the first coffin, and one by one, we carried the bodies out to the grounds, and I said a prayer for each. It's not how your average college student spends a Tuesday afternoon. But this wasn't Sam's first public health burial either. He didn't wake up that day and say, I want to be blessed by Jesus, so I'll try to be meek and merciful and pure in heart by mourning the forgotten. Sam, it turns out, had been invited during high school by his Catholic high school advisor on a similar visit when he was charged to step beyond his privilege, beyond his hashtag blessed life, to a place where he was better able to see who Jesus blessed. And that one experience changed him. He concluded, every time I attend a funeral, I'm reminded of this. It's why I want to honor the passing of Atlanta's homeless. Because his perspective on life, on what mattered, on what it means to love God and each other changed because he was able to see and draw near to those that others would overlook but that Jesus called blessed. And by drawing near to where God was at work, blessing came for Sam as well. Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount with blessing, both so that those who feel undervalued by the powers of this world can be reminded that the kingdom of heaven is for them, and so that those who think they are hashtag blessed would learn where to look so that they too can see and draw near to God. In the mixed crowd on the hillside that day, in the mixed crowd here among us and out in the world that we encounter, Jesus' words were a gift to them all. There is a Polish rabbi named Simka Bunim who is credited with telling the story of two pockets. 
He said that each day when you leave the house, you should wear pants or a jacket with two pockets and slip a note into each pocket so that you can reach into one or the other depending on your need. If you're having a day that you're feeling lonely or depressed or discouraged, you should reach into your right pocket and pull out the Hebrew message that says, the world was created for me. It says, but when you're feeling high and mighty, you should reach deep into that left pocket and find that text from Genesis that says, I am but dust and ashes. Maybe when you hear the Beatitudes, you feel seen by Jesus as if he were looking right into your soul and blessing you. And if so, reach into that right pocket and pull out that promise, you, loved one, are blessed. But maybe you hear the Beatitudes and you feel challenged. And if that's the case, maybe it's time to reach into that left pocket and with deep humility, Watch where Jesus looks. Maybe at the person right next to you, maybe at the quiet neighbor or the caring deacon or the pastor in an empty field doing a public health burial. And trust that by knowing who Jesus sees and blesses, you too can draw near to God and see the kingdom of heaven unfolding right before your eyes. May you know which pocket to reach into when, so that blessings may, be, may abound for all. Amen.